0: Welcome to the Center for the Advancement of Virtual Organizations podcast, How to Run a Productive Hybrid Meeting. I'm Kathy Ritchie, an associate professor at the School of Business for North Central University, and today I'm joined by Karen Reed. She is an Emmy award-winning former news anchor woman who has transitioned into coaching C-suite executives in the art of communications on camera. Karen has published two books previously, and our discussion today will focus on her third and latest book, Suddenly Hybrid Managing the Modern Meaning. Welcome, Karen, and thanks so much for taking the time to come and chat.
1: Kathy, I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for having me again on this particular uh, podcast. Uh, you know, it's always been uh, a fun conversation. I look forward to another one. Thank you.
0: So I read, Karen, that you're known as a chief confidence builder. Could you give us a little bio and a little more about your background, please?
1: Absolutely. So I began as a broadcast journalist, uh, worked for NBC primarily, uh, and enjoyed it immensely. Won an Emmy along the way, as you mentioned, uh, You know, interviewed luminaries like Muhammad Ali. Uh, then I left the business in 2004 to apply my skills in the corporate world. And what I found is that I would be brought in as the professional on-camera spokesperson, but more and more often. They were pulling people in from the corner office or the corner cubicle to appear on camera alongside of me and expecting them to perform at the same level of skill. That often did not go so well. So I saw a business opportunity to teach business professionals how to be better on camera communicators. So that was a decade ago, Kathy. And as you can imagine, um, when March 2020 hit, uh, my business changed substantially because I went from training mostly the executive leadership team to training the entire Enterprise and how to be effective speaking through a webcam. Uh, so, have written uh, three books thus far. The uh, or the third book, suddenly hybrid, um, is all about you know hybrid meetings. Written in collaboration with my co-author, Doctor. Doctor. Joseph Allen, who is a meeting scientist. Uh, and this follows on the heels of suddenly virtual, which was um, helping people to be able to navigate a fully virtual gathering. So, uh, it's been great fun uh, to use. Uh, my expertise in in a new way. And we're really hoping that Suddenly Hybrid uh, can help people to really figure out how to make what can be a challenging meeting actually really effective. So I I really appreciate that. Thank you for the the detail
0: and, and the enthusiasm that you clearly have. So, um, some of the things about the new normal and, and hybrid workplace and, and remote work is, is something that I, I think is a continuous process of adjustment. Um, could you tell us why specifically that hybrid meetings are inevitable in the future of work?
1: Well, I think that you, you hit on it, that the future of work is, is hybrid and it's flexible. I mean, one of the things that we learned through the pandemic is that people really value that flexibility. And not only do they value it, they demand it. And most organizations are at this point offering some sort of hybrid working arrangement. And if you are going to do that, you have to figure out a way to hold hybrid meetings because you could have employees who are on site. You can have employees working from their home. You can have employees working from the corner coffee shop. You you have to allow it uh, to happen. And that requires you to figure out a way to connect them uh, as they are you know gathering together, regardless of geographic location. Uh, so there are going to be some, of course, who will say, you know, I love the hum of a, an office nine to five Monday through Friday. And, and they will find those organizations that, you know, are still, you know, doing fully in person. You will also have organizations that want to stick with a, a, a fully virtual environment. And, and we're seeing more companies, you know, convert to a fully remote workforce. But still, all of the studies indicate that the majority of companies, uh, if possible, will be allowing for uh, that flexibility, that that hybrid option. Uh, So with that, uh, it's really imperative that you don't go into it uh, without an intentional approach because they are tricky, uh, but they can work well, provided that you abide by best practices. So if we think about the intention
0: of a leader that may have people in a physical location and also remote, How would you uh, suggest that leaders should conduct a meeting differently in a hybrid setting?
1: There are about 20 different things I could list, Kathy. But I think the overarching theme is you want to make sure that you're not creating a two-tier system where those who are in person uh, somehow have a leg up uh, over those who are joining virtually. Uh, Because hybrid is all about creating... um, participation equity and meeting equity uh and and collaboration equity and and in order to do that you have to give it more than just lip service you need to support uh that conversion through having the right technology but also having the right um what what joe would call skillware you know making sure that people are trained uh to have a different mindset whenever you're meeting in a hybrid setting so a couple of things that the leader can do right off the bat is make it their responsibility to raise the collective awareness of everybody in the meeting uh, of who is in the meeting. So say that they are leading the meeting from in the physical conference room. Uh, it is incumbent upon them to, pull in the people who are joining virtually so that their participation is, uh, you know, as uh, prominent and valued as those who are in the physical space. One specific strategy that we've seen work really well is that you have remote speak first. So say you're going through an agenda, you get to a, a topic of discussion, rather than if you're conducting the meeting in in a physical conference room rather than turning to your right and saying, hey, Joe, what do you think about this? Instead, you turn your attention to the monitor where you can see the faces of the people who are joining virtually and have them weigh in first because it sends a strong signal. It sends a signal that, yes, you are valued as a participant in this meeting as much as the people who I might be able to reach out and touch. Uh, It also gives people an opportunity who are joining virtually to actually have their voices be heard. Because there's always going to be a potential for in-room bias, where people who are in the same physical space just naturally want to include people more who are right in front of them. Um, But that is what you always have to fight. So having a strategy like remote speak first is really critical.
0: I like the in-room bias. You just uh, took
1: my next question, so thank you very much. Uh,
0: <laughs> so I was—it was going to ask about um, defining in-room bias, but let's kind of expand the thought on that and um, in the idea of being all inclusive, right? And 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 how do you think that that overall can be a consistent part of your culture? in hybrid meetings?
1: I think it's important to create presence for all. And when I mean presence for all, that means, you know, everybody can be seen and heard clearly, regardless of their location. Uh, And and that allows for participation equity. Um, So what do I mean by, you know, presence for all? Well, for example, if you are uh, in a conference room, Uh, Your conference room, in order to be fully equipped for a hybrid meeting, needs to have three basic things. It needs to have a good conference room camera uh, that allows for everybody to be seen in the room clearly. So that also might mean some reconfiguration of of the way the meeting room is set up, you know, can uh, everybody be you know seated in a way that nobody is hidden behind somebody else. Uh, it means having a great audio system that allows everybody to be heard regardless of where they're seated. Uh, if you're relying just on the microphone on your small webcam at the front of the room, there is a high possibility that those who are at the back of the room, when they're having a conversation with their neighbor, they can't be heard. And that is not participation equity. Uh, you also want to make sure that your monitor that will be displaying the faces of the people who will be joining virtually is large. Uh, Because if you just have a small monitor tucked in the corner of a conference room, that is not giving adequate presence for all. Uh, Now on the other side of the coin, those who are joining remotely, also need to have their cameras on and they need to be a high quality image that they're projecting. They need to have an audio setup that allows them to be heard clearly. Uh, And they also have to make sure that their their face is well lit because so much of how we communicate a message is through our body language. And in this case, because of being limited by the size of the screen, your facial expressions are going to uh, have great impact. And if they can't be seen because you're in shadow, then you're diminishing your presence.
0: Well, that that's an interesting thought because, you know, we typically associate communication and body language with an in-person meeting. But uh, tell us a little more about reading body language in the virtual room and what strategies you would recommend to encourage more engagement.
1: Well, I think you have to be aware that, that your face is going to to say a lot even when you don't intend it to. So so you need to be mindful of that, but also it's critical for being able to fill in the gaps around the intent of the message that you're delivering, but it also sheds light on the impact somebody else's message is having on you. So it's really important that you, as for example, an in-room participant, are taking a look at what they're seeing on the screen from the virtual participants to see, you know, how people are responding. Um, you know, one of the interesting findings that uh, Dr. Allen found in his early research uh, of hybrid meetings is that those who, you know, were doing them we're doing less what we call counterproductive meaning behaviors. And one of the most uh, destructive ones is surface acting where uh, you're, Your facial expressions are saying one thing, but you're internalizing, you know, completely different emotion. Like say that you're very frustrated, but you're trying to pretend like you're not. Um, in a, a hybrid meeting, what we're finding is that less of that is happening. Uh, so, you know, those, uh, you know, facial expressions, uh, are more genuine. Uh, but that's great intel. Uh, and it allows you to have, a discussion that is going to be more authentic and hopefully more productive because you're getting the real deal. Uh, so it's important that you know people look at the facial expressions on the screen. Another thing to note is if you are a virtual attendee, it can be harder to read those nonverbals of the people who are in the room. So one of the other strategies that we discuss is if you are an in-room meeting leader, You want to be the narrator of the body language of those who are in the room with you. So say, for example, you know Joe rolls his eyes at something that is said. Uh, The people who are in the physical room with him may see that eye roll and know, oh, Joe's not on board with this. But if you're joining virtually, they may not be able to see that. So it's important for the leader to say, hey, uh, Joe, you're rolling your eyes. Uh, I, I assume that you don't agree. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? So it's almost like being the narrator of, of um, you know, in the eyes and ears of the virtual attendees. So, you know, it's all about how to make people feel like they are an important part of the meeting, regardless of where they're, they're located. So, you know, always having this mindset that, okay, when you're joining remote, there might be a, a, a certain gap. So, so let me fill in those gaps for you. So that's that's a responsibility of the leader, but it's also the responsibility of the attendees too.
0: I couldn't agree more. Very excellent comments. And, um, you know, being that role of a leader and also a narrator, um, it's really important to kind of help be more cohesive. Um, you talked about pre-work before the, be- of the meeting and how it may be a little different that, you know, we aren't going to be able to improvise quite as much in a hybrid meeting as as maybe a physical meeting may have been in the past. Could you tell us a little more about that preparation and
1: pre-work? Absolutely. One of the things that we saw over the course of the pandemic was the meeting to meetingization of, of our lives. You know, there was this meeting explosion where we had more meetings that were lasting longer than ever before. Uh, and Consequently, you know there were some organizations where people were on video calls from eight o'clock in the morning until six o'clock at night, which was obviously exhausting. It would be exhausting to be in any uh, meeting from you know eight in the morning until six at night. So one way to cut down, frankly, on the number of meetings is to move things into an asynchronous setting. So if you are having a meeting just to share information. Uh, That is not necessarily a meeting that needs to happen. You can actually, you know, record yourself doing a presentation on the topic at hand and and you can share your slides and talk through them uh, with a screen share and you can send that out in advance. And then that pre-work would be watch the video, you know, on your own time uh, so that you can come into the meeting. Uh, prepared and at a higher level of understanding. And that way, the time spent in that video meeting can be one that is uh, an opportunity for for better collaboration uh, and discussion and lead to a decision. So it's all about making that time in the meeting more valuable by kind of front-loading uh, the prep. Um, at a minimum, like the prep would be you know, looking at the agenda and knowing what is going to be covered so that you've already you know done a little bit of uh, thinking about it prior to walking into the door, you know, whether that is uh, metaphorical or literal.
0: Excellent comments. Um, very good suggestions. Um, you also mentioned that you thought there might be a potential for productivity dips um, and changes as a team switches to a new way of gathering.
1: Tell us what your thoughts may be there. Well, I think what we're already, I'm hearing kind of anecdotal evidence of this occurring where there hasn't been an intentional approach to hybrid meetings, you know, and and they just kind of wing it and then find that it's not working very well. You know, people who are very... Um, you know, was comfortable speaking up or dominating the conversation. Those who are joining virtually are finding it very frustrating because they can't get a word in edgewise. And there was a, a recent um, article that I was reading uh, that came out of Barco uh, that indicated that a third of, of, of employees in their survey were considering leaving their organization because they didn't feel like there were hybrid policies in place that were working to ensure um, that participation equity, um, you know, across the board. So, so there's a, an existential threat to the health of your organization and the retention of your employees if you don't properly plan. Uh, so there's productivity dips and there's, you know, a possibility of losing your people. So that's why we strongly suggest making sure that you train people, uh, on the technology that you are using in order to connect folks, but also giving them the, um, uh, training that is required to change their mindset uh, so that they realize uh, that the, their coworkers are, are not just those who are, you know, those that they meet on, on coffee breaks, but rather those who are, you know, all over the place. Uh, so training is such a critical component of this hybrid transition and one that I think uh, many organizations uh, don't recognize.
0: Uh, I couldn't agree more. And some of the articles that I've read um, have been related to active listening and the importance of showing empathy and building trust, especially with some of those remote uh, subject matter experts that we can now easily incorporate and help build uh, retention, too. Um, you, you talked about technology and, and you you mentioned a few things uh, about the monitor in the room. I, I think that's an excellent idea. Anything else
1: that you would like to give as tips related to equipment and technology? Absolutely. And I had a, a fantastic conversation with Darren Murph, who is the head of remote at GitLab. And, you know, they, they are an organization that has always been on the forefront of remote work and, and they have a very extensive handbook. You know, basically they say anything that is happening in our organization is, is in written form in this handbook and it flexes, you know, as you know, it, it continues to evolve. But but what he was saying was if you are going to do hybrid from a technology standpoint, you need to remove anything that is not connected. Uh, so for example, those physical whiteboards that you have in your conference rooms, you may love them, but guess what? There's no way to have collaboration equity whenever your remote workers can't actually manipulate them. So replace those physical whiteboards with a virtual whiteboard, you know, constantly be thinking about how people can access information regardless of where they are. So if there is something where you have to get the information by coming into the office, then that's not uh, allowing for you know, a hybrid workforce that's going to be equitable. Um, you know, put that information in some sort of online repository where everybody can access it.
0: Excellent. That, that really, it kind of leads me a little bit also into the idea of other just um, salient type of tips. And one of the ones that I read was to to always be the the leader or the narrator should be the last person to leave the meeting just in case someone wanted to have maybe a meeting after the meeting, anything else that you would suggest there?
1: Well, and I think it's important to point that one out too, because uh, there is uh, a potential trust issue, right? Uh, You know, both ways whenever you have some who are in the office and some who are remote. Uh, So recognize that it might be there. And if you have a meeting, and then, you know, you you, you know click the the meeting link uh, to stop, uh, and there are still people in the physical conference room, there might be a concern that there is a meeting after the meeting that they're not a part of. So you want to make it a priority that everybody in the physical meeting room leaves first, uh, you know, and you keep that meeting link open uh, until everybody else is gone. And that includes the the in-person folks as well as the virtual folks. So the leader should be leaving last uh, because then you're, you're making sure that everybody has access uh, to any of the information that's being shared in that meeting itself. Uh, and it, it's just a really critical component to do that.
0: Well, on a, a very positive high note, um, how would you say... And just, to, you know, a few suggestions of what the most major hybrid meeting advantages really are.
1: I think inclusivity is by far the biggest advantage. And it's kind of of the times, right? Because, you know, flexibility is is key. Uh, hybrid meetings allow that to happen. Uh, and you know, it it breaks down those geographic barriers. So uh, you're able to open up um, your opportunities to more people regardless of where they're located. And also, people are going to be most productive where they feel most productive. So that might be in the office, or it might be at home, or it might be on a beach somewhere. You know, you're going to get more out of your, your employees if you allow them to work where they work best. So hybrid meetings allow that to happen.
0: I I completely agree. And I like the idea that as we adapt to this hybrid type of um, not only just work work style and work um, model, um, but also in in the form of a hybrid meeting that we are potentially uh, creating a talent retention tool. As Absolutely.
1: Well. Right. I mean, we're seeing that all over the place that people are, are voting with their feet. If they don't feel satisfied with, with the working arrangement that's given to them, they're, they're going to go elsewhere.
0: <laughs> right. Right. And it doesn't take long, I think, sometimes. For them to not feel that inclusive um, engagement and start looking, if you will, so right.
1: And I think it's also important to note it's it's not just okay, yeah, we're offering hybrid work. It's we're offering hybrid work, but we're also providing the investment in the technology and the training and the systems um, redo to support it because it it really has to be something more than just lip service. It needs to actually uh, be a reality because people will will see that things are not happening the way they should, and then you're going to lose them as well.
0: I, I completely agree. Well, it's been a pleasure chatting with you, Karen. And I want to thank you for joining us and for supporting the Center for the Advancement of Virtual Organizations. We really appreciate your insights and we know our listeners will benefit from your experience as well.
1: Kathy, thanks so much, and I I appreciate the opportunity to talk about Suddenly Hybrid. Uh, We're really excited about this one and hope that it'll be uh, a great practical guide uh, for our readers. Thank you, Karen.